I love it when a book takes me to a place I've never been before. The Red Brick Sellers by debut author R.W. Wallace does exactly that, transporting readers to a richly described Toulouse, France for an engaging murder mystery. In a world where hundreds of new books are released every day, how can readers find yours? I'm Stephen Campbell. I'm the CEO of Camven Media. What we do is provide digital assets and strategies to help authors find and keep new readers and fans. That's the way I pay the bills. But in this show, you and I indulge our shared love of mysteries and crime novels by spending time with the people who write them. Are you ready? Let's get this show rolling. Hey there, and welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm, and more specifically, welcome to the very first episode of Debut Corner. You may or may not have noticed that I try and have a debut author on the show typically around once a month, but I've never actually branded a show. So I'm, I'm doing that now by identifying the shows as Debut Corner. Today, our very first Debut Corner guest is R.W. Wallace, whose actual first name is Reinvig. She's from Norway, and she's lived in Toulouse, France since her student days and decided to write her book, The Red Brick Sellers, in English, which is interesting because it's not her native language, as, as you'll hear during the interview. And that presented plenty of challenges to her. So this is an interesting, fun interview. Let's get to it. I'm calling from Naples, Florida, talking via Skype. You're in Toulouse, France which is the setting for your book. So let's let's get started by talking a little bit about this city in France that I knew absolutely nothing about prior to reading The Red Brick Cellars. Well, Toulouse is the fourth biggest city in France. Uh, it's in the southwest, so it's approximately the same distance from the Mediterranean, the Atlantic, and the Pyrenees, which is the... The mountains separating France from uh, Spain. Mm -hmm. Let's see, there are tons of uh, students here, which is why I came here in the first place. So I think about a fourth of the population are students. Oh, really? What a fun place to live then. Yeah, it's, it's always, always very, very lively. And if you go out for dinner or drink or anything, any, any night of the week, there's always lots of people. Okay, so you say you're equidistant from the Mediterranean and the Pyrenees and some other places. How far is that by car if you were going to the, to the Mediterranean? How far? The Mediterranean is about an hour and a half. Okay. I mean, uh, Pyrenees the same, and the Atlantic is about two hours, I think. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Yeah, well, we don't have any water right here. So I but having <laughs> things bad. an hour and a half away is pretty nice. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and, and of course, people always say that we should write what we know, and, and you know this city, so you chose it to be the setting for the book. Exactly. Because in the beginning, when I started writing, I always ended up writing it in some place, USA. I don't even know why. Uh, and it, yeah, it didn't feel quite right. So, uh, And then I took uh, some writing classes from David Farland who always says that we want, when we read, we want to be transported to a different time and a different place. So I figured, okay, I can at least do the different place by setting it in Toulouse. And uh, so I wrote a list of uh, places in Toulouse that I thought might be nice to have in a book. And all of a sudden, I got all these ideas springing out from it. So <laughs> it was fun. It was a great idea. <laughs> and you, you not only use the city, but uh, the storyline... 
uh, involves politics and the local community. So we really get sort of a deep dive in into yeah. the area, which is, for me, was a lot of fun. I just love, as you said, being transported to a place that, that we're completely unfamiliar with. Let's talk for a bit about the storyline of the Red Brick Cellars. Give us, give us a little teaser about what the book's about. <laughs> Well, uh, the book, we have two, two protagonists, and the first one is uh, Louis Samblanca, who is uh, coming home to Toulouse for his father's funeral. Uh, his father was the mayor of Toulouse for basically for 20 years, uh, and he was founded on the central square of Toulouse uh, together with a skeleton. Uh, so, uh, All right. Yeah, you, you said that too fast because that's an important part of the book. And his body was found next to another, uh, next to a skeleton. So there were two, yeah. two of them there, and they were laid out in such a way that I, I won't say scandalous, but it implied certain things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and Lewis, as his son is concerned about some of this and it it sort of drives the story so there's 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 a lot of interesting things going on there but one of the interesting things is this second person well this yeah the second person is catherine so she is an english journalist living in in toulouse uh she's recently divorced so she has some issues with her ex and she shows up at the wake because she needs food, and she bumps into Louis there, and she sort of eavesdrops uh, on a conversation between Louis and a police officer. And none of them knows that she's a journalist. So, but when when she hears some interesting facts that haven't made it to the papers yet, of course she wants to write uh, an article about it. And so, the way you start the book was was. I don't know. It's very engaging to me. They're they're just uh, the son is there, and there's this woman. The woman doesn't realize he's the son. She's just essentially yeah. there for a free meal, and the son just sees this attractive woman, and and they begin chatting, and she assumes he's a security guard or something. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, their relationship, such as it is. Uh, starts now. You, you talked about her father, the mayor, and it's not like in the United States where there's a mayor, and you know maybe he's the mayor for four years, and then there's somebody else, and people may not even know who he is. Uh, the mayor of, of Toulouse was a beloved figure in town, and yeah, uh, I guess the uh, the inspiration for that was actually that Toulouse had a mayor for a really long time. I mean, there is an, a period. I think there elected for five years. Uh, but there was this one guy who was elected like three or four times. Not necessarily, well, he did a good job for Toulouse, but the, he was elected because he was a yeah, beloved mayor. So that was the inspiration for for Louis's father in the story. Now, one, uh, one of the things I noticed in visiting your website, which is very well done, by the way, and I, I would very much encourage people to go there and sign up for your email list. It's at rwwallace.com. Um, but you chose to write the book in English. You're, obviously, English isn't your first language, uh, and you chose to write it in English. Why, why was that? Uh, <laughs> well, it, it took me a while to decide that I wanted to write. Like, well, 
I had the guts to write in English because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am Norwegian. I've lived in France for 16 years now, but I've always read and, well, actually written also in English. So uh, it's not a commercial decision, though, that it, though it does help. That, uh, it's easier to sell books in English than in French or Norwegian. But it's it's just if I think about a story, if I think about a book, my brain switches into English. Uh in my three languages, there's no doubt that I understand Norwegian the better, and I probably speak French the best, but in writing, it's definitely English that I should choose. Now, there's a bit on your website, and, and this is you just written a post about a book promotion that you were doing, and this was back around Christmas, so the promotion yeah. is, uh, is long gone. But it, in the post, you said, well, if you're in France and you don't read in English, this will help you learn to, <laughs> to read English better. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, it's uh, one of my difficulties when I was writing was to find people to read the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've been looking for my, the, the few French friends that I have who, who understand English enough. And so the first one I gave it to, I think he got to page 50, but he told me basically he had read 150 pages because he, read, he had to read everything three times. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I have a friend who, she claims her English isn't all that good, but she read through it in three days and gave me lots of excellent feedback and stuff. And one of the things she said was that, Hey, it's in English, but I understood it. So I guess it's sort of easy, not too complicated prose. It well, it, it's yeah. it's well written prose. We'll 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 put it that way. And and <laughs> and for for books to be to become popular now, they need to be written in uncomplicated prose. So easy to yeah. read, and it is it is easy to read. It it transports us to another place, and it's a very interesting story. So uh, I, I really recommend this book. I did notice that in in researching you that this is your first book, which surprised yeah. me because it's very well done. Uh, what was the writing process like for you? Did you just sit down and kind of write it straight through and and then no. start editing it? <laughs> uh, well, I had, let's see, uh, when I first decided I wanted to try to write, I first had to check if the English was good enough. So I found an online uh, workshop thing on, on the net and I wrote uh, short stories in the sense that they were short. Uh, my brain doesn't really work well for writing interesting stories, but at least there was some language in there. So mm-hmm. I submitted that, and the response was, uh, was positive. I didn't tell anyone I was Norwegian, and I didn't get any feedback saying, uh, this isn't your first language. So that was okay. Uh, then I tried to write a novel length. Uh, again, I, I finished it, but the, the story wasn't any good. But I proved to myself that, to myself that I could finish a, a novel. And this is about the time, actually a year ago, when I discovered that David Farden has some online classes, because taking classes from in English from France is not necessarily easy. So, <laughs> uh, And he has a workshop where you basically create the outline for a story by going through creating the characters, the setting, the conflicts, and thinking about themes and stuff. 
And so I took that class and came out of it with a, with a complete outline. Uh, David's <laughs> feedback was, this looks good. I think you're ready to write. So I just did. <laughs> now, that's interesting because uh, uh, people who haven't tried to write a novel might not understand how difficult it is to make uh, to create an interesting story. And, and you said you'd written a novel-length story, but the story was no good. And yeah. taking this class helped you sharpen uh, the story a little bit. Yeah. And uh, wh- why do you think the first story was no good? What did you learn in taking the class that was missing in the first story? Uh, I think I needed more threads, let's say. Uh, the first story basically just had one thread that r- ran through the entire entire book. Mm-hmm. And for this one, we have multiple characters. Uh, each character has to have several conflicts. I think the I think in the assignments there was to create three conflicts for each character. So I just sat down and okay, I need three conflicts, and in the end, just sort of try, trying to weave it together into into one story, and it was a lot of fun. I'm kind of my brain likes to organize things like this, so it's, uh, I had as much fun doing the outline as, as I did did writing. Uh, all right now, how much how much fun are you having now as a published author? Because you're a person. It says on your website you describe yourself as someone who prefers being invisible on the internet. <laughs> you can't do that if you're trying to no. sell books. So what's that been like for you? Sort of ex- exposing not only yourself but your work to the world. Uh, well, at the moment, it's yeah. The website is more scary than than the book. I don't know why. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I spent a lot of time, yeah, like it's sort of hiding and lurking. I've been on Facebook for for years, but I'm definitely a lurker. Uh-huh. So, and Twitter is a reason for me. So, I'm sort of discovering how that works. Uh, but yeah, I'm trying to, I'll try to force myself to, to write stuff. I'm still trying to figure out what what I should share and how and. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's complicated. So what are you sharing right now? What? Well, let me rephrase that. What do you wish you were sharing that you're not because you're afraid? Mm, well, no, it's, it's not so much afraid. Oh, maybe. <laughs> it's more um, uh, well, I want, I'm not sure what would interest people, I guess. So, and I would love to try to connect with other authors that write similar books. I mean, that's supposed to be a good marketing technique, but it would also be interesting to, to, to read them. But so far, I'm not quite sure what similar books look like. So. <laughs> All right. Now, one thing that you do on your website that I found interesting is that when people sign up for your email list, you give them a password and they can get into a special section of your website where you share some recipes that are used in the book. And that's okay if you like recipes. That wasn't yeah. that didn't interest me that much. But the other thing that I found fascinating was this map that you had, uh, you'd built out of Google Maps showing people where the different scenes in the book took place and sort of explaining things and, and giving us a much better visual sense. And I, I go back to the original idea of one of the things that makes this book so much fun is being able to experience this new world. So for me, I read the book. I was interested. I felt like I understood it. And then I looked at the maps and it's like, oh, that's what that is. That's really cool. Yeah. And that's this far away from there. And uh, that was interesting. Why did you decide to do that? Well, I was... 
I had been thinking about it while, while I wrote the book, uh, because, I, I mean, when you write, you're supposed to describe everything, but it would also be fun for people to, yeah, like you say, discover how far this is from that. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to give all that information when I write the book. And also one of the friends who read through the, the first version of the book said, you should, you need to do a map, <laughs> putting comments and pictures. And like, yeah, okay. So... I thought about doing a PDF, but it's yeah, it didn't quite see. Nah, the Google Map was Google Maps better because you can you can zoom yeah, in can and and, and get as much detail as you want. Now, one final question because we're getting short of time. There are a couple instances in the book where your characters sort of snipe at Parisians. And so I'm, I'm curious, what makes a, and I, I may have the term wrong, but what makes a Toulousian different from a Parisian? <laughs> well, um, the observations that are made in the book are made by people who are from Toulouse. And this, uh, it's, <laughs> I know it's, they're sort of the same thing in Norway. Uh, people from Oslo are different from the people who are not, not from Oslo. And in, in France, it's a, uh, Paris against everybody else. So the <laughs> Parisians are supposed to be a bit snobby and uh, yeah, serious, I guess. Uh, there is some truth to that. I had a friend who moved to Paris and discovered that if she walked around like she used to in Toulouse and looking at the buildings and smiling, then people would stop her and bother her. So she learned to look straight ahead and walk fast and look serious. But, uh, <laughs> well, I don't have anything against, against Parisians, but uh, I, I think that Toulouse, people from Toulouse are more relaxed. It's a very, it's a very laid back city. Uh, there's, you don't need to be on time for anything. And you, when you, if you go to the city center, well, any day, there, there's lots of people just, just walking around and, you know, enjoying the nice weather and stuff. It's, uh. All right, one, one last question, and then I will let you go. I, when I have friends that visit different cities in Europe, they always come back and say, we didn't eat dinner until this time or that time or the other time. Uh, what time do you eat dinner? Uh, we eat at 7, but that's because I have young kids. <laughs> uh, 7 is the absolute for earliest moment you can eat at. If you go to a restaurant, most of them don't open until 8. Oh, see, I just find that amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, me too. I'm from Norway. We, we used to eat at 4 or 5, so I'm used to it now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sort of a rube. I mean, we have dinner around 6 o'clock here, and I'm usually in bed by the time it, people are halfway through their meals in, in Europe. So <laughs> yeah. that's a problem. Well, we're not as bad as the Spanish. <laughs> yes. They're even worse. Okay, so where can people find the Red Brick Sellers? Uh, right now it's only on Amazon okay. uh, for the ebook. The paper you should be able to get uh, pretty much anywhere. Uh, and I, I link to it from my website. Okay, and I will link to it from the show notes as well. You mentioned your website. We've mentioned it uh, before. Is that the best way for people to follow what you're doing online is your website, yeah, which is rwwallace.com? Absolutely. And on the website, I, I list my, uh, you can connect with, with me on Facebook and Twitter also. Excellent. Well, Rainvig, thank you so much for being here today. It was a delight to chat with you and to learn so much about Toulouse. <laughs> thank you, Stephen. <laughs> 
In a world where hundreds of new books are released every day, how can readers find yours? I'm Stephen Campbell. I'm the CEO of Camven Media. What we do is provide digital assets and strategies to help authors find and keep new readers and fans. That's the way I pay the bills. But in this show, you and I indulge our shared love of mysteries and crime novels by spending time with the people who write them. Hey there, how the heck are you? Uh, I'm doing well. It's We're having sort of a, I don't know, an unusually cold snap down here. It's going to be in the 40s for a few overnights, which is really unusual for us down here. And I, I know it's cold at a lot of other places in the world, so I hope it's not too cold where you are. Is it? Is it really cold? If it is, send me an email and let me know. Steve at camvenmedia.com. It'll make me feel better about uh, the 40 degree Celsius temperatures that uh, we're having down here. Last week, I mentioned some of the books that I'd been reading, and some people emailed me back to let me know what they were reading as well, and I really appreciate that. Diana wrote in to say that she's read several books by authors that we've had on the show. Yay, Diana, because that's, that's, why, we're doing the, that's why we're doing the show, so thank you so much for letting me know that. She also shared a couple of others that she's anxious to read, one of which is a Rogue Lawyer from John Grisham. I did read that, and I, I enjoyed it. It's a different kind of a book. It's really a series of short stories that are stitched into a book, but a really engaging protagonist in the book. So, uh, yeah, that'll be fun. And, and, Diane, I know you're going to enjoy that one. Another recommendation that she made was Reykjavik Nights by Arnaldur... Indradison, Indradason. I don't. I just look up the look up the name. Reykjavik Knights. Uh, Diana said she feels a kinship with Reykjavik because she flies Iceland Air to Seattle. She flies back and forth to Seattle all the time, and there's a plane change in Reykjavik. She said his gloom. The author's gloomy cops suit the February darkness just perfectly. So. That sounds like fun. Another regular listener, Bruce, who loves noir. He's a big noir fan. Uh, he wrote in to say that The Cocktail Wait- Waitress by James M. Kane, it's, which is, of course, a noir book written in the first-person perspective of a femme fatale. Sounds super interesting. I, I ordered a copy of that from the library, and I'm looking forward to – I'm actually picking that up today, so I'm looking forward to reading that. He also suggested a series of short stories – where people make bad decisions leading to disastrous results. Title of that is called Nine Inches, and the author is Tom Parato, or Parata, P-E-R-O-T-T-A. Bruce also mentioned a show on Netflix that he's watching called Making a Murder. I've heard some other people have told me about that, and I think it's a little bit too gruesome for my wife, so it's probably not something that we will watch, but Bruce said it's totally binge-worthy, and uh, he, he loved it. Uh, We are working our way through a couple of mystery series on Netflix right now. One of them is the Poirot series that if you're in the United States, you probably have seen on Masterpiece Mystery. Uh, if you're if you're in Europe somewhere, I, I know it's on the BBC in England and who, who knows where else. But it's on it's on Netflix. I think there are ninety some episodes, and we're in the upper forties right now, so we're about halfway through. And another series that we're getting into, it's much shorter, is Luther. And it's another BBC, I think, type production. And it's, it's fantastic. It's a little bit more gruesome than uh, Poirot, but uh, really well done stories. And, and we're just into the second season of that. Great characters. 
great stuff there. So how about you? What We don't actually talk about mystery TV shows and movies and things like that on this on this show, but what, what do you like? What are, what are some of your favorite mystery television shows? Are there things that you really like that are on now, or do you go to Netflix for, uh, for some of your favorites? Send me an email, steve at Camven Media, and let me know what, what your favorite shows are, because we're going to be needing to add to the queue soon, and, and we'd love to share that with other listeners. So email me again, steve at camvenmedia.com with the show recommendations or anything else that you want to, uh, to chat about. Thanks for listening, and hey, let's all stay warm out there.